You are listening to King Jesus Radio, the official podcast of New Living Way Church. Yeah, exactly. It makes it, it makes it really easy there. <laughs> well, praise the Lord and welcome to Bible study tonight. Thank you guys for joining us online as well here today. And uh, seven o'clock. So we're going to get ready to get started this uh, tonight as we are going through the book of Proverbs for the month of March. So we are going to open up this morning, this night with uh, Proverbs chapter 17. Amen. So we'll start at verse one and we're going to read it all the way through. And then if there's a certain proverb that comes to mind or something that just stood out to you today, Feel free to share which one that is. And all of you share, uh, watching online as well, if you'd like to put that on the chat there, you know, feel free to bless us with that. You can type it out or just put the verse on there. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 17, and we're going to look at uh, verse 1 over here. Proverbs 17, 1, all the way through. I'll be in the English Standard Version just in case it reads just a little bit differently here. So Proverbs 17, 1, we'll start uh, 17, 1. Better is a dry morsel with a quiet with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. A servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. Crucible? Crucible. The crucible. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. Fine speech is not becoming to a fool, still less is false speech to a prince. A bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Who, wherever he turns, he prospers. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion, and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Ouch. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. One who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. Whoever loves transgression loves strife. He who makes his door high seeks destruction. A man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. He who sires a fool gets himself sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. To impose a fine on a righteous man is not good nor to strike the noble for, the, for their uprightness. 
Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Amen. So that's Proverbs chapter 17 tonight. Amen. So is there any certain proverb that stands out to you tonight that just, you know, kind of jumps out to you? Which one? You want to read that one? Which one was that one? That was, uh, okay, verse six. Children's children are a crown to the aged, Amen. and parents are the pride of their children. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a lot in that. Yeah. Amen. 18. It reads different. Okay. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes a surety for his friend. Mm. You co-sign for somebody and it goes wrong, you ruins your family. Even yeah. outsprays get ruined because then there's back talking. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. So this is definitely some words of wisdom here to be to be careful in that, amen. <laughs> what I was curious about was number eight. Mm -hmm. you, it, you read it. Say what your eight says. Uh, mine says a bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, it prospers. So how does yours read it? Makes more sense. Okay, go for present it. Present in a is a precious stone in the eye of a possessor where we turn to prosperity. But a bribe, that's not a different connotation. Yeah, it's a different translation in this one. So this is the English Standard Version. So I'd have to kind of look at a couple of different translations yeah. and maybe kind of see. So I would encourage you, go and check maybe the New Living Translation, the Amplified, uh, the New King James Version. It's a good one. And kind of, a bribe uh, is not good. Yeah, because it says a bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he prospers. So this is how mine reads it. So I'm not sure. I haven't looked too much into that one, but yeah, it was a call. But that's what I kind of like about reading some different translations. It might break it down just a little bit different. But let do you have which version do you have on that? Bribe is a charm to the one who gives it wherever he turns, he succeeds. Same. So, her says bribe. So, that might be something interesting to look into a little bit and yeah. kind of see why yeah. yours reads it. What, what version are you reading? Uh, let's find out. Is that the. I think it's. Somebody gave me this Bible. Oh, nice. Uh, let's find out. And if anybody online has one, feel free to place it here on the chat. If you oh, this is New King chat. James. New King James version. Okay. The second part of that. Well, he who loves the quarrel loves sin. Okay. okay. That's easy. But he who builds a high gate invites destruction. Is that referring to um, not letting yourself be a witness? Or, you know, in other words, not shut in, but you're to yourself. You don't share. Mm, that's a good way of seeing it. I've never, you know, that's actually... Because mine reads it, whoever loves transgression loves strife, and he who makes his door high seeks destruction. Yeah, that could be it. That could be a, a way of looking at that as well, kind of like putting, you know, blocking yourself out from the outside yeah. or wisdom or, or um, you know, seeking advice or counsel or anything yeah. like that. I can definitely see that. So that's a good way of seeing it. I have a different connotation on five. Okay. How I, how I see it, not what it says. It says, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. That's God, right? And okay. it's maker because capital M. Amen. He was glad at calamity. Calamity will go, will not go unpunished. What this reminds me of is that Christians, I've done this. 
is that it's like that guy that says, well, you know, I read this and I did this and I did that. And so when we see somebody fall, we think we're kind of like too prideful. And we, we think, well, that's why that happened to them. So that is that person that's glad. When calamity well, we're hits. not allowed to do it because it says if we do that, we're going we're gonna to be in trouble. And I believe there is another proverb that kind of shares that when your enemy is, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit, but it's the one that says something about, you know, don't rejoice over the fall of your enemy. Yes. Because if your Lord sees that, then he will refrain from dealing thing. with it. Yeah, it's kind of in that same context. Yeah. I don't remember which proverb that one is, but that's always, you know, kind of giving me that place. Like, yeah, you said to keep it in a, in a perspective, not to rejoice when you see that, because still it's, you know, you still want to see the mercy of God. Yes. You know, so definitely that's that's a good way of putting it as well. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. Anyone else have anything before we uh, before we get ready for started? For, uh, it says whoever yeah. mocks the poor insults the master of the meek. I say it again. I see it as on verse five as that we all are created in God's image. Amen. And regardless yes. of who you are, whether you're rich or poor, we are never to mislead them. Mm. Yes. Amen. Or to mock them or to mistreat them. Because the word of God says that we'll always have the poor, the orphan, and the widows. And we are always to take care of them. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's a good way of seeing it, too, as well. You, you, you do see that level right there. And he uses the poor, you know, as someone who wouldn't be seen as, you know, anything in, in you know, many's eyes. But definitely. Especially back in their days, they the poor were considered like thugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cursed or whatever yeah. it may be or. You know, what did you do to deserve that, basically, in, in that type of culture? Yeah, definitely. And we still have it today. People oh, yeah. That's just, uh, it's basically, that's humanity. But even in that sense, it, it can kind of go back to like what Mr. Karen was saying, even as, as spiritual. You know, many times we may look at that as someone as, that's uh, in a place poor in spirit, you know, and we may, you know, we may mock or be prideful or arrogant in such ways that we don't realize but you know it can definitely come off as that. It so yeah. yeah, so we definitely have to see that in everything. It's it's a definitely a you know a way of seeing it in the natural, but also being able to see it spiritually. Well, praise God, Amen. Well, praise God. That's uh, that's good right there. That's why I love the Proverbs. There's so many little nuggets in here, <laughs> and then from these you could just go on because it brings scripture and you know or just ways of life. You just see the simplicity of life. I mean, you know. So praise God for that. Well, thank you guys for sharing that today. Amen. Amen. It's well, easy to fall into a lot of these traps if you don't have God in your life. Well, that's why we're looking to the Word of God, brother. <laughs> so we definitely need the Word of God, amen, and, you know, to help us and instruct us in, in the way. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, again, those on the chat, if you'd like to still put those up throughout the service, and, you know, we'll continue to uh, to read the Proverbs throughout the month. We're in uh, the 17th, so we still got some more. Cut, you know, still got some more days to keep going through the Proverbs every day and uh, looking forward to that. Amen. So we're going to open up in a word of prayer tonight as we, uh, as we, you know, we've already started Bible study tonight and uh, we'll go from there. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for another beautiful day this day. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful night, Lord, and we thank you for this time, Lord Jesus, that we are able to come, Father God, to seek you, Lord, through your word. 
And Father, to be taught of you, Lord Jesus, and to be instructed and, and led and guided by your Holy Spirit, Father God. So tonight, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you this day, Father, submitted unto you, Lord, humbling ourselves under your mighty hand. And Father God, in coming to a place, Lord, we want to be in line with your will, with your word, and Father God, led by your spirit, Lord God. And Father, that we may know the right way, Father God. And Lord Jesus, in that, Father, we may know how to pray and how to seek you, Lord, and how to ask you, Father God, for that strength, for that wisdom, for that guidance, Lord, to live a life holy unto you, Lord Jesus. Because, Father, many times we don't even know, Father, what to ask or, Lord, the areas where we need to ask, Lord. But, Father, it's by your word and how your Holy Spirit reveals it to us, Lord, and how you teach us, Father God, that we learn how to pray to seek you, Lord, to live in such a way and to make decisions and choices, Father, recognizing that we do have a freedom of choice, Lord. So, Father, tonight we just thank you, Lord, as you continue to teach us through your word, Father. We just ask you, Lord, to lead us, to guide us, and direct us tonight in the Bible study. Father, we thank you, Lord, for another wonderful day. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to be able, Lord, to come together, Lord, here in, in Father God, the building and those, uh, all of us joining online, Father God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to be able to study your word, Lord. And Heavenly Father, we just yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. We ask you for your will to be done, not our own, Lord God. And Father, that we just, we're here with open hearts, Lord God, willing, Father God, to be taught by you, willing to see some things, Father God, Lord, as, as we've been just even with the Proverbs today, Father God, some areas that, Lord, we need to be careful, Lord, as we see these things, Lord, not just in the world, but in church, Lord, in, in the body of Christ, Lord. And Father, we are just as guilty just as anybody else, Lord. But thank you, Lord, as you teach us through your word, Father God, that, Lord Jesus, we can acknowledge these ways in these, in these certain areas of our life. And, Lord, that we may, Father, improve in these areas, Lord, by your spirit, Lord, according to your grace and your mercy, Lord. So, Father, tonight we just ask you for your forgiveness of all of our sins. Father, forgive us of all unrighteousness and uncleanliness. Forgive us, Lord, in the areas that we have missed these, these words, Lord God, that we, Father God, Lord Jesus, maybe didn't go the right way, Lord, or, or say the right thing, Lord, or think the right thing. But, Father, tonight we ask you for your forgiveness, Lord God. We ask you to cleanse us, to wash us, Lord God. And, Father, if we hold any unforgiveness tonight, Lord, we forgive, Lord Jesus, with the same forgiveness we ourselves have received. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace and your comfort. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. We thank you for your love and your salvation, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your joy, Lord. And we just thank you, Father God, for your presence, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your comfort and your peace, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we'll be in the book of Daniel today and uh, Daniel chapter three. We're going to be in verse 18 through 15 tonight. Um, just a couple announcements. We do have a Friday night prayer. So we will be in Proverbs chapter 19. <laughs> That's the 19th that day. So Proverbs chapter 19 this Friday, we'll be praying to the book of Proverbs. So we encourage you like we did tonight. We just pulled out a scripture or a verse or, you know, maybe even maybe one of the verses didn't really pop out at us. But sometimes we may have a verse like, I wonder what that means. You know, so if there's a verse that you read or just a certain part or, if, or maybe all of it, we can pray and ask the Lord like we sang on Sunday. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Lord, I want give me some understanding. I don't quite understand this. It's not really grabby, Lord. So this is where we can ask. We can ask our father. Father, help, give me some understanding, Lord. I don't quite get this. And, you know, it may come right away. It may not. But we're going to we can we can ask him of it. And then over time, he can teach us by his spirit through that. 
praise God. So that's definitely something we could do on Friday, on Friday nights or every day, actually. But on Fridays, we will come together here or if you're at home or, you know, on the road or at work and your break or whatever, whatever time you take to do it. Praise God. So, you know, we'll be praying to the book of, you know, to the book of Proverbs continually this month. Amen. And then on uh, Sunday, we'll be in uh, 915. We'll be in the, the Proverbs chapter 21 and then our 1045 service on Sunday as well. Amen. Well, praise God. So let us turn our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 15 tonight. Amen. So uh, this is one of those, you know, it's, it's, well, I won't jump ahead. Let's just go into Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. So it says, <clears throat> therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Amen. So this is the portion of scripture that we will be looking tonight. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those scriptures and one of those places where we really get to see the contrast, you know, and the wisdom of God and those that maybe don't have the wisdom of God or have a different motive and different things. And as I was studying this and kind of looking at this and preparing it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things you really want to see yourself on one side, but you also see yourself on the other side. And, and like verse eight really just kind of stood out to me. I mean, I could have stayed on verse eight pretty much the whole night. You know, there's just so much in that verse as we're looking at this, you know, at this response from these Chaldeans, because this is going on after Nebuchadnezzar, like we studied last week about him setting up this image and, you know, and, and basically this decree, this command went out that everyone needed to bow down when the music started to play. And they recognized, well, there's a couple here that are not bowing down. So now they're coming out and they're basically um, bringing some accusations. So I wanted to open up with this proverb that I read here. And it's actually Proverbs 18, verse 17. And this is out of the New Living Translation version. I hadn't written it here, but I read it earlier. It just reminded me of this. But Proverbs 18, 17 says, any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. Oh, that's good. Okay. So I'm going to read that one more time. This is the best translation I found here. Actually, I'm not sorry. It's not the NLT. It's the Living Bible Version. But it says, any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. I like that. Amen. 
So that's out of the, the Living Bible version. And I, I thought that was really good. I've always, that's been a, a proverb that usually stands I out to me. Better. Mine yeah. says, the first one who pleads his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Or cross-examines him. Yeah, some will say cross-examine and everything like that. And how many of us know that's that's true? I mean, anybody who's got the first dib is going to have that first side of the story. So you hear the first side of the story, you're like, oh, man. You know, if you're not using wisdom, then you may be caught up and you may make some wrong decisions or rash decisions, you know, based upon hearing this first set of news. So. You know, we see here now what we're seeing is we're seeing an example of this here because they're running to the king right away. So they're getting the first story. They're getting the first response. And what they're doing is they're using it to their advantage to bring accusation against these Jews. So we definitely see this portion of scripture being, you know, being out here right now. So let's go over here and let's look at this first this verse in, in, in verse eight here in, in uh, Daniel chapter three. I want to just read this again. It says, therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Maliciously, okay? Now, remember, what were the Chaldeans? Does everybody remember who they, and I could be saying it wrong, it could be Chaldeans or Chaldeans. But I, so, but um, well, do you guys remember what the Chaldeans were? What, they're, what, they're, what they were known as? Okay. I didn't either, it's just I had the note, so. He came out of Chaldea. Yeah, they came out of that area. And some believe that, huh? No, well, the Chaldeans, when we look at the scripture, they're actually referred to the wise men of Babylon. So they were considered the wisest of the land. And when I was looking at a couple of things as far as is a little bit of history, it's looking at it in a sense. And again, this is just something that was thrown out there. But it's believed that since they came out of Chaldea, which became Babylon, that many of the king's friends and nobles and stuff, like all these VIPs, you know, the, the leaders and stuff like that, are those that were around him that became a part. And as his, his province grew and as his government grew, he started to place these friends and give them titles such as satraps and all these different things, you know, leaders of the provinces. And the Chaldeans, being they were all from Chaldea, are believed to be those that were brought up into really high, high esteem. So these were the guys that were like at the top that the king would go to because they, you know, for the wisdom, like these are my right hand men. These are the guys that I trust. But obviously we see in a couple of, you know, the chapter before they weren't able to or what is it when, when he couldn't interpret the dream. Right. right. Yeah. These were the one of the these are one of the groups that the king went to right away and says, I don't I'm not going to tell you the dream. I want you to tell me the dream and then I want you to interpret it. And after studying the word of God, we see that these wise men that had all the wisdom that were the wisest of their time in this world could not do what was being asked of them. And they said, this is an impossible thing you ask. No one can do this. But there was one man who was able to. That was Daniel. Okay. This was Daniel who was able to do this. But like Daniel said, it's not me, but it's the God, the Lord of heaven, the God of heaven that is able to reveal this to you because it's a message from him. So he gives the credit to God and they see all of this. So you got to imagine that the Chaldeans most likely got a chip on their shoulder. You made us look bad. These, wow. This man made us look bad. So by them coming now to the king, you got to imagine there's, there's, there's a reason and a motive for this. Vengeance. Yeah. This is all. Oh, this is our opportunity to show them up, to prove. And we're going to look a little bit more into this. But really what it is, it's to prove themselves right. 
Ooh, okay. See, this is where it started to hit home on me. <laughs> this is where I'm like, oh, come on, Lord, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I was like, I want to see myself on the other side. But I started to see myself more in this side because we're flesh, right? So without Jesus, there's nothing good in us. So we're going to see some example here of these Chaldeans now wanting to prove themselves right. See, we knew better, King, and we're going to see that in the scripture. Have you ever been guilty of that? <laughs> Taking that opportunity to say, see, I told you so. I wanted to prove myself right because either I look bad or, you know, you didn't take my advice. You didn't listen to me. So automatically we have this resentment towards a person, towards a group of people, towards certain people. You know, it could be somebody close to us. It could be your own spouse. It could be your kids. It could be a coworker. It could be your boss. It could be anyone that because they didn't take your advice or you looked bad, or they didn't take your word for it, you may have some resentment. And so any chance you get, you're going to try to take advantage of that. Go well, ahead, Brother Adrian. Yeah. Well, I have to do the exact work. Yeah, that's the same as... By adding it on, you say, I hate to tell you, but I told you so. <laughs> yeah, right? I told you so. You know, and, and sometimes, and again, there's a time and a place for it, but it's how do we say it? You know, because, I mean, we could still say we... This is why I told you or I told you so, you know, I told you so is basically you're trying to defend yourself and bring yourself up here. So we're basically seeing an example in this response here from the Chaldeans. Now, there's no nobody really knows. I mean, there's different thoughts or whatever where Daniel was. I actually think he was hiding. You know, you're just like, nah, I won't be a part of that. You know, <laughs> obviously. No, no one really says what nobody knows where Daniel was in this time, why he wasn't in this portion of scripture. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. And they're being challenged with this. So the Chaldeans are seen, well, these are friends of Daniel. These are friends of Daniel, the one who made us look bad. Right, that makes sense. The one, they serve the same God. Yeah. So this is our opportunity. Ooh, yeah. what is that? Ooh, <laughs> I'm telling. Yeah. What's, the, what's the famous phrase, Pastor Pat? Snitches? <laughs> snitches get stitches so it came to mind yeah, actually somebody else said that this week too that I heard say that I was like that's on point because that's what these guys are basically doing they're just being snitches they're just going to ratting these guys out but it's for their own motive so I want us to look at this again therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews this is very interesting how this portion and wording is broken down here this is really like that's what I'm saying. It kind of kept me here for a while. So we're just going to stay here for a little bit. So when it says a maliciously accused, or maybe your translation may say brought charges against. Okay. So again, I wrote here, the Chaldeans were the wisest in the land. But remember, this was the wisdom of man. How many of us know that the wisdom of man is limited? Yeah. It can only go to a certain extent. I mean, you know, that's it is what it is. But when you start to look at this word brought charges or maliciously accused, that word brought, when they break it down, it's actually a word used to describe to devour. Think about that. What comes to mind when you think of devour? That has to be a hatred. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I think of an animal, but then, but to something, you know, an animal's doing it to survive, but it's a picture, like you said, that it's like a hatred. It's a devouring. It's a, it's a gnawing. To devour something's not just to eat it. It's to kill it. It's, it's to tear it apart, to rip it up. I mean, it's an ugly picture when you see this brought or maliciously accused. This is the type of picture that we are getting that they're not just coming in that, but they're using this word to devour. They're coming with a malicious intent to devour these Jews, these three that don't serve this image. Is that hatred for the Jews? Well, you look at the book of Esther, you really see that in Haman. You really see that in the people that are trying to oppose Ezra and Nehemiah. You see that through all the history. There is just this hatred towards the Jewish people. And then think about it. They're in captivity, but it doesn't change the fact that there's still prejudice. There's still hate. And so when it's talking about this, it's to devour, to accuse, to eat. Okay, we're kind of catching this. Okay. It also breaks it down to say to eat their pieces, that is to slander them. Think about that. To destroy them. You getting that picture? To eat their pieces, it's referring to it as eating something. To devour, but it's also referring, using that picture as to slander someone. Have you ever thought about that, about slandering somebody? You're actually eating them up. You ever heard that? Chewing them up? You're having somebody for lunch, for dinner, for brunch. And what it's really referring to is you are talking, you are slandering, you are gossiping. You're tearing them apart. Because whatever reason, there's just a hate, there's an anger, there's just something you are not happy with that person or that group of people or whatever it may be. And now there is slander, there is devouring going on to brought brought charges that word charges is a sense of a bit okay so again to eat to devour now the next part maliciously accused or charges it's a sense of a bit but look at this to eat the morsels of any that is to chew him up a piece to denounce to slander to chew on and that you want is to think about, okay? So it's not only in a sense to chew on or to slander, but it's also something that somebody, you're basically feeding them something that they can chew on. You're giving them something to eat. You're giving them something to devour. So you're not the one that's, you're, you're devouring, but you're also giving some to others to be able to devour. I know it's a little weird, but think about our words and how we can influence people, especially in gossiping, to get our own way. You know how quickly and easy it is to bring so many people in to start talking about somebody? Easy. Not, bring, not building them up to tear them down. Yeah. How quickly we are to look at the faults of someone first before we can look at the goodness, the potential. The fact that somebody can learn from it. And I'm not pointing fingers. We're, we're all guilty of this in one way or another if we really are honest with ourselves. Maybe certain people we may want to encourage and think great things. But 
there's a lot of other people that maybe we're not there yet. And I say we're not there yet because the Lord is just working that out through our hearts the more that we seek his wisdom and his knowledge. Because we can't do this without the Lord. This is just something that is in, we see this, this is so many years ago, and yet it's the same thing that goes on today. The same thing that me and you can be guilty of. And again, this is just, again, literally having somebody for lunch. They're giving and they're dropping morsels to King Nebuchadnezzar. They're giving King Nebuchadnezzar something to chew on. Something to think about. Because it says they maliciously brought, accused the Jews. They set up his anger. Yeah. They came with intent. They came to get their way. And too bad, I wrote here, the king was not a proverb child. (laughs) Because it says a wise king will use wisdom. But obviously this king was moved by his own emotions. And we'll look a little bit more into that. His pride. And this is why it's so important that we look to the wisdom of God so we don't believe. Again, I'll read that proverb again. Any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. See, if we are one that just take things like we talked about on Sunday, viewer discretion is advised. If we just take someone at their word, just right then and there without stepping back, thinking about it, realizing, okay, but there's two sides to the story. But not only that, there's three sides because there's God's side. There's the truth. So if we are one to take something that this is what they're feeding you and we just jump on that, oh, oh, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. And we start to react in anger. See, many times if you know somebody, then you're going to kind of question it first. Well, I don't know. I don't really know that person to be like that. But if you have a certain resentment or you don't know that person, then you might just believe somebody right away because you're taking them at their word. And don't get me wrong. Even those we love, we still cannot take everybody at the word because we are human. We have faults. We have motives. We have things within our hearts that we don't even sometimes realize are there. I can't expect Letty to take everything that I say just, you know, at my word, because there may be a motive within my heart while I'm telling her that because I may just want her to side with me. And she'll say, well, he's my husband. I have to take him at everything he says. No, she doesn't. Because according to the word of God, Letty is responsible to use sound judgment and wisdom in everything she hears. Just like me and you are. It's like you're, you have children and your child comes up to you and tells you, hey, well, my sister or my brother did this to me. And automatically you go start yelling at that kid. <laughs> but reality is what we should be doing is saying, hold on, wait a minute. Okay, I'm hearing your side of the story, but now let me hear their side of the story. And then you decide which one is truthful. Uh, I just thought of a point when you said about that the, 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 the you may have uh, what is it ulterior motives different motives for 
your answer or your thinking, and but that doesn't mean she's obligated to take what you say literally as the uh, truth. You might be slanting the truth, you know. Yeah. That happens a lot. And it may be something, maybe pride in my heart, maybe just to puff myself up, or maybe just to prove myself right. And I may not even realize that because maybe God is dealing something with me. Maybe there's just a, a certain resentment towards somebody. So I have to be careful on that. But she also has a responsibility to be careful, just like we all have a responsibility to be careful. Because how many times have we jumped the gun? How many times have we jumped on something and believed something right away and then later on said, man, that's, it wasn't really what it was. I should have examined first. Or we assume. Or we assume. Or how many times have we been the ones that are like these guys just coming out and just spewing out venom? Just devouring because, again, what is driving us? We're seeing these guys most likely were resentful. They were looking for vengeance. They're looking for a way to get their way. They don't like these men and what they represent. But not only that, they're those that don't serve their gods. They have a different life. They have a different way. And what I love about this is it's not just the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Daniel. It's their lives. It's the relationship that we see that proves they don't serve our gods or your gods or they don't serve your image. And this is what we're taking from this. It's the difference. It's the set apart of those who know who their God is. But it is bringing some backlash because they're not partaking in what everyone else is. Yeah. Because they were um, put into high positions, all of them. Daniel, the three of them. Mm -hmm. so That's very true. They took my job. <laughs> They're making more money than me. And they, weren't, and they were Jews. And they were Jews. So this could be so much. I mean, I mean, I see so much in today. So much in today. And there are so many agendas, so many motives. But again, we're not just pointing fingers. We're looking at ourselves in the mirror. Lord, what is my agenda? What is my motive? What, how do I end up here? Why do, how many times do I do this or have I done this? And really having to examine that. Lord, I got to be careful in the things that I share and the things that I say. And help me in your wisdom. Help me to see that and acknowledge it for what it is, to know the truth. But again, it's not us. It's his Holy Spirit. It's his word. It's his grace and mercy. Amen. So Proverbs 18.8 says, I'm going to read this from the Amplified, but you could turn there. Proverbs 18.8. We were just there a little while ago. But the Amplified version says it this way. The words of a whisperer or gossip are like dainty morsels to be greedily eaten. Eaten. So it's referring to a gossip, giving something, little morsels, but they're given so someone can eat to take them in. They go down into the innermost chambers of the body to be remembered and used upon. They're little seedlings, they're little morsels that are being planted. Because at first, you might not, it might not affect you. You may hear something about someone. Someone may give an accusation or just talk about someone, and it may not bother you right then. Oh, man, that's messed up. 
But what happens is if we're not careful and we don't guard, we're not guarding our hearts. Those are little morsels that later on start to ponder, well, hey, you know what? I kind of noticed this about this person. And all of a sudden, you start to, this resentment starts to build up. You start to kind of avoid that person or people or place. It can happen in church. It happens in church. Hey, you know what? I'm just not going to go. I just don't want to, you know. And we allow these morsels to be planted. And I'm not saying that sometimes the things are always wrong or they may be right. But again, it's not allowing ourselves to allow those morsels now to build a bitterness, to take root, but to seek the Lord. Okay, Lord, well, help me through this. Because if we let it ponder long enough, just like anything else, it'll start to overtake our speech and our actions. And not for the good. Go ahead, Brother AJ. You got it. This one says choice mm. morsels. So by choice, that's Ooh. something that you want. Oh, yeah. You know what you're doing. You pick those out specifically for that. Yeah, I'll take this That's one. good. Re read it, the one you have. 1880, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels amen the words of a gossip are like choice morsels ouch ouch choice. and how many of us know the right words and the right people who to talk to to hear what we want to hear and know that they're going to be in that same page with us we always do we could always find that person or peoples or persons that are going to think the same way we do inside with us or they're going to take the bait I guess you could say. And what it does is it causes anger. It causes hate. It causes us to question. It can cause fantasy. Because it's not always just something bad. It could also be something lustful. It could be something that you desire. It could be something that causes us to now start to question, well, maybe the grass is greener over there. I don't have all these things. Start to cause us to question our own faith, the blessings of God, the word of God. Could cause us to question, well, I really don't. I mean, I could, you know, they're doing it. Why not me? Little questions, little things, morsels can cause confusion. But the problem is these things will start to take root. And we see that these Chaldeans, the wisest of the land at that time, are not acting very wise. They're acting very shrewdly. They're using the wisdom of themselves to get what they want because they're being run by their own emotions and how they feel. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 to 22. Proverbs 26. 26, verse 20 through 22. Have you guys seen why I was stuck here for so long? <laughs> That's okay if it's just me, guys. Okay. We're like a wood, second. Yeah, Proverbs 26, 20 through 22. If you like to read that, Sister Karen. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Mm. Keep on going. Yeah. A charcoal too hot 
As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisper, oh, there it is. There it is. The words of a whisperer are like delicious mor morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Ooh. Ooh. So without a whisperer, the fire goes out. Yeah. But where the whisperer is are like delicious morsels. Sometimes the morsel tastes good, right? <laughs> you like what you're hearing. Oh, man, that's why gossip is so, I mean, juicy. Juicy, yeah. <laughs> TMZ, you know, all these things. I mean, it's just like, man, can't get enough of it. Like, give me more. So good. So good. We just love it. We eat it up. And they go down into the innermost parts of the body. And that's what these Chaldeans are doing with Nebuchadnezzar. They're giving him delicious morsels. They're putting wood on the fire. They're putting charcoal on the barbecue pit. Putting lighter fluid to the fire. Isn't that beautiful when you just get the lighter fluid and see it go all the way up? You're just adding more fire to it. But eventually you get burned. Then they pimp them out on the next sentence, though. <laughs> oh, geez, live forever. That's where we're going to go to next. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. I wrote here, they provided plenty of wood and he ate. And I think I shared this a while back. Don't, don't eat everything they feed you. And I remember an example of a story of somebody told me about a pig, right? How many love, people love pigs? Story of pig? Well, the story of the pig goes this way. You know, the owner has a pig. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the owner has a pig, right? But you know, the pig will just eat anything. They just keep tossing everything to the pig, and the pig doesn't ask any questions. Just keeps eating, keeps eating. And what does the person do? The one that keeps feeding it, that pig just keeps getting fatter. But what the pig doesn't know is, is because everything he's feeding him, he wants that pig to get fatter because he's going to kill him and eat him. And that pig eats anything, yeah. trash, sloth, whatever it may be, but the pig doesn't question, and it just keeps going on. And many times, we can be that example of that pig. We just keep eating and eating and eating and not recognizing it's leading to destruction. Destruction within ourself, our peace, our comfort, our joy. Take away your joy. How many of us know that? Become very bitter, very resentful, very judgmental. Because we've allowed so many morsels to settle in and take root. And we've just ate everything that's been fed to us from here, from there, from our own mind, from ourselves. And instead of coming to the Lord and repenting and giving it to the Lord, hearing something and then giving it to the Lord to give us the wisdom of how to respond or to respond. I like what that word says in the Proverbs we read earlier. Even a fool seems wise when he's silent. Yeah, that was good. Sometimes we just got to be silent. I'm not calling us fools, you know. It says even a fool. So we need to be careful. So let's go on over here and look at the rest of this here. So they go into verse 9 and 10. It says, they declare to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. So look at how they present this to the king. They start off with their loyalty to the king. We saw that in Daniel, 
When Daniel responded, he says, oh, king, live forever. This was just a response of letting the king know I am loyal to you. This is a response of my loyalty. So they're coming and they're saying, Lord, we are loyal to you, king. We're bringing this news because we're so loyal to you. I'm your best friend. I'm the one who you can trust. We love you. We're there for you. Anything you need, I'm there for you. Careful. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but the enemy multiplies kisses. Not Hershey's kisses. Or maybe sometimes it will be Hershey's kisses. <laughs> they declare to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. And verse 10 says, you, look, look, here it goes, here we go. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Okay? So they start off by saying, they're talking about their loyalty to him. O king, live forever. Right? You always want to get somebody on their good side. You know, that's how you start it off, set them up, you know, puff them up a little bit. You know, oh, you're great. You know, now, you know what you, you're, you know, that's one thing I give you credit for. You're always right. <laughs> you always know you got a way about you. Some way. But then they go in to remind them the decree you put in place. Remember that decree, King? The command, the order? Remember what you required? Remember that? So they're already starting those little, they're starting to take their jabs. They're not doing this because, oh, king, you're so great. No, they're setting up the king to get their way. They're reminding the king of his, of his words for their benefit. See, there's a contrast here. We as the children of God can remind God of his word. But God is a wise king. And he knows our hearts better than we know our own hearts. So he can weed out those that are looking for their own motive. And we can hold God to his word. But we also got to take God's word into context. We can't just take the word of God and manipulate it for our own benefit and say, well, God, you said so. Because the king, king of kings, will always prove himself right. But how many of us know that we've been guilty for that? Trying to manipulate the word of God. Well, your word says, yeah, but what about the part that says to be obedient, to submit, to forgive? Oh, well, that's, you know, that was, I, you know, that's out of context. <laughs> I didn't understand the wording. We have our responsibility too. But this is a king of the world. Go ahead. I look back again to see how Daniel approached the king. He just did the opposite. Daniel answered and said, blessed is the name of the God forever and ever. So he took away that adulation of that king. Mm. Right you see the contrast, the difference yeah. between the wicked and the righteous. Amen. Yeah. So we see these guys doing this. So let's go on. Verse 11. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Wow. Okay, we talked about that, that persuasive altar call, amen? There's a persuasive altar call in the kingdom of God, and there is fire involved, hellfire. But again, but God in his love and his mercy always gives a choice. 
God will not force anyone or take away anybody's freedom of choice. We make the choice to end up, if we choose not to repent and turn our lives to the Lord and anyone who doesn't, to be separated from God for all eternity, which is hell. Right here is there's no choice. You either bow down or you get cast into the fire. And we're seeing this and they're reminding this king of that. But look at verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And like Pastor Pat said, were they upset because these guys had position, took their position? Well, kind of sounds like it is now because this is what they're bringing. They're pointing to the king. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. See, in another way to put this, they're basically saying, see, this is who you put in position. This is why you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Again, I told you so. I don't agree and we don't agree with who you put in position. We don't agree with your decision. We don't agree with your choice. And now you're seeing the results of that. How many of us have been guilty of that? Oh, I'll do it, but I don't agree with you. And the moment that I see my opportunity that shows that you were wrong, I'm going to come out and I'm going to let you know. <laughs> see, this is why I told you. Don't trust them. Don't do that. I told you. And we take this opportunity and these men are using that exactly for their benefit. Oh, king. Told you. These are the men you appointed. You put them in this place. And now look, they're not bowing down. They're not honoring you, king. They're not serving your gods. Or even worship the golden image. They were justifying themselves. I put here, have, ever, have you ever been guilty of such a thing? Yeah, sometimes we do it inwardly. <laughs> but we get that satisfaction. Because there may be a lot of things at times we don't agree with. But over time, they become little morsels. If we don't deal with them and give them to the Lord and trust the Lord through it. Or we compromise. Or we compromise. Or we can end up compromised. See, that's what I'm saying. I started reading. I was like, oh, come on, Lord. I, I don't want to see I want to see myself in them. I want to see myself as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which, I, which we do in Christ. But we can also see ourselves on this side. But at the same time, it gives us an understanding of where many people are at today that don't see this and don't care to see it. Even as Christians, many times we don't care to see this. Because, again, we want to be proven right. Another question that I wrote here is, have we ever done this with God? For our own motive. Got a thought on that, Pastor? 
knows your motive. He knows our motive, exactly. See, the, this king Nebuchadnezzar's fooled. But yet we think we could get away with it, God. Well, God, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to do it. God, I don't agree with that, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. But over time, if we don't deal with that and start to forgive and start to yield and start to humble ourselves, that disagreement or that morsel will start to take root. Yeah. Come to heart and heart. Because now we get to a place I just don't care anymore. Yeah. See a person fall? Oh, too bad. Yeah. See a person in a hard place? Well, they're, they're always doing that anyways. Well, that's not my problem. And we start to have this with God. Because there's so many things. It's not just one, but it starts to become other things that now we don't agree with. It's true. And it starts to affect our motive. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And many times it might not even be with our words. It will just be our actions. Because we don't agree with things. But God knows our hearts. Let's go to Proverbs 16, 2. If somebody would like to read that, Proverbs 16, 2. Hold your place in Daniel. I have an example just came to mind. Sure, go ahead. Definitely, you know, and it's, it's again, it's using wisdom. I mean, definitely we got to be wise, you know, with, you know, certain people because it's people out there that are up to no good, you know, that's because sometimes we can say, oh, well, you don't know. And then, no, we do have to be wise. You know, and I've shared before, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I, you know, there was a guy at a gas station and uh, I started to pray with him and uh, and not using wisdom. I gave him my number, you know, and uh, and, I, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I just felt this ugliness come over because, you know, I'm just like. Man, I see a guy. All right, man, I want to want to you know help him out, give him a couple dollars, yeah. and uh, and you know I was new in the Lord, I was excited, man, and, and uh, so I prayed for this guy at a gas station, and I closed my eyes, and I remember when I woke up, this guy's looking straight at me, and he looked like he was about to hit me, wow. and I like pulled back, and I said, oh man, that wasn't very smart, and then I remember I went home, and he started calling me, hey man, I need a place to stay, can you pick me up, and this and that, and. I just felt this ugliness come over me and it was, and I remember I had, a, I had talked to um, pastor Abel about it and everything. He just kind of gave me some words of wisdom and stuff like that. And never prayed with my eyes closed anymore out on the streets. I always keep my eyes open, you know, and, and uh, you know, because you still have to use wisdom and every homeless person, I don't give every homeless person money or I don't, you know, I, sometimes you just have to kind of, you know, use wisdom in that, you know, and in the times that I do, then I give it, you know, Lord, I'm giving this unto you. You know, if I decide to do so, but I, you know, at times, you know, there'll be times that I will offer to pray for somebody out there, yeah. you know, 
But again, it's using wisdom in the wisdom of God, you know, because you also don't want to put yourself in a position, you know, like my wife would say, well, I got kids with me. You know, I'm not going to put myself in a position and my kids in a, in a hard position. We have to use wisdom. You know, if you're a woman, you know, and you're out there, you know, you got to use wisdom out there. You know, but even as men, we got to use wisdom. You know, you just don't know. You got to discern. And that's what's growing right now. Uh, yeah, we're going to Proverbs 16, 2. Yeah, because sometimes you might just pick up a leech, yeah. oh, wow. you know, and that, you know, you're trying to, you know, and I've worked in the environment for many years where, you know, I got family like that as well. They just become leeches. So you help them once and then they just, you be, they become dependent upon you. You know, and after a while, I was like, oh, man, this sandwich is mine. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was like, you know, it was just, but you see that you start to see different things, but it's learning through it. And it's, it's not just physically, but also spiritually. That can also happen spiritually. People poor in spirit as well, you know, can become very dependent upon you and take advantage. Oh, you got a good heart and look, you know, hey, you know, can I borrow some money? Can you do this for me? Can you do that? You know, but again, they just... You got to use wisdom and discernment. But again, it's growing in it. And that's where it's so important that we learn that in the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us that because it's through the experiences. Definitely we'll have those experiences. I've had many. I'm still going to have more, but it's learning through it. And it's asking the Lord for the wisdom to teach us through it. Amen. Amen. So Proverbs 16, 2, like we just said, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. I put here, the Lord will always weigh our hearts. I'm going to read that one more time because this really stood out to me. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. This really stood out to me because I really had to examine myself and really think about it. Like I shared about even telling Letty some things. Because there may be times that I may have in my own mind, in my own heart, I think what I'm doing is good. The plans or the words or whatever I may, I may think that it's good, but I may have my own motive in my heart that I don't realize. And there may be a place that God is allowing me to be to trip up in this because I may, you know, say this about someone or try to help or maybe not help, whatever it may be. But whatever decision it is, I may think in my own eyes it's right and I'm doing a good thing or, you know, whatever it may be. But in reality, what happens is I step out. Now I'm tripping up and I'm like, well, what the heck? And I got a bad attitude about it and I become bitter and I become all this. And what happens is all the Lord is saying, I'm, I weighed your heart in this and you did this for the wrong reason. You had a motive. And in order for me to expose that motive within your heart, I had to allow you to go through this. But the question is, and the problem is, is am I willing to acknowledge that or am I willing to just stay bitter and unrepentive about it? Instead of saying, Lord, yeah, maybe I thought this was the right thing or this, whatever it is, but I had to learn through it that, Lord, you needed to teach me something there because there was an issue in my heart. You're working out. But it's having that heart to be able to say, Lord, I'm willing to acknowledge this. Have any of you guys ever been guilty of that? It's not allowing those muscles of the tongue to Yeah. Within yourself. Whatever's inside you, you're actually 
Yeah. It's just like serving God. You just said, you know what? I want to serve God. And then you say yes, and you get involved. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. And I go, maybe I shouldn't have did this. And we get discouraged because it became hard. But this is the point. What I've learned through that is every time I say yes to God, there's going to be opposition. And I see many people give up. I see many people who were serving that don't serve anymore because it just got too hard. And they focused on the hard instead of focusing on what God was dealing with. Because I know one, one thing I've realized and noticed is, Lord, you put me in this place and now I'm upset because I'm going to this or that and I'm having to do all this. But yet you still want me to serve you. But what I have to realize is, God, what you're doing is you're dealing with my heart because why am I serving you? Why am I doing this in the first place? Was I serving you and doing this for position, for recognition? Am I upset because I'm not getting recognized? Am I upset because you're not opening up this door for me? Am I upset because this is not going on? Am I upset because I'm having to trust you here? Am I upset? What? But again, I'm focusing on all the heart instead of focusing on Lord. I'm serving you because I love you. So no matter what happens, Lord, my life is yours. And many times it was the Lord, and still today the Lord is just weighing our hearts many times to see, why are you doing this? Why did you do this? Why did you say yes? Why did you say yes to serving God and now you're not doing it? Because things changed, because things got hard, because things were not convenient for me and you. So instead, we just say, I can't do it. Are they really being, I don't want to do it? I don't want to do it. That's really what it comes down to. So is that like uh, testing that you're going through? Yeah. Say it again. Oh, that's definitely a testing because it's the Lord dealing with our hearts. It's it's a personal thing. It's 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 not that God is looking to... See, I told you this. No, no. It's God revealing our own hearts to us so we can see ourselves. So we can see that motive. So we can see that, you know, because we may come to a place, well, no, God, I, I, I don't, I'm not looking for position. I'm not looking for recognition. I'm not looking. Lord, I just want to serve you because you're my God and you died for me. But it's coming to that place. So therefore, we can have peace of the storm. We can grow in that relationship. We can grow through the perseverance and through the endurance. But yes, it's definitely a testing of the Lord because it says that the Lord tests the hearts, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, as we read earlier in the proverb. But the Lord tests the hearts because he doesn't want people serving him because they think they're going to get good or they're going to be better or they're going to get. No, he wants people serving him because they love him. Because we acknowledge all that he's done for us. Does that answer your question, Sister Cynthia? He's looking for those that are going to serve him wholeheartedly. He's looking for people that are going to give unto him because they love him, not because they've been manipulated or they feel they have to give to God. No. If you don't want to give to God, then don't give to him. You don't have to. He wants you to give willingly and cheerfully, not out of bitterness. I've shared many times, look back and I'm like, oh, man, oh. I would have had this, you know, Lord say, here, take it back. Because God doesn't need my money. 
doesn't need my time. I need him. We need him. But that only comes in learning through the perseverance and the trust in him. And being able to say, Lord, whatever season this is, man, I am being tested in my heart, definitely. Lord, I'm just going to trust you through it. Help me through the bitterness. Help me through this, this, this stuff that comes out of my heart. It says the Lord knows the hearts. The heart is wicked and deceitful. The first meetings of crucible, I find this odd, is trial and tribulation. Mm-hmm. Not, not the physical unit. It's through the fire. It's through the fire. Ordeal. And we're going to see some hearts tested as we continue to go on in the book of Daniel chapter 3. Literal fire. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I put here, it must be in our actions, not just our words. These three were recognized by their words, but by their actions, which show they don't serve the gods of Babylon or worship his gods, you know, in any way. This was a God that was set up by man. They were, but think about it this way. These men were being challenged to bow down to this image, idolatry. But they were in Babylon because of idolatry. (laughs) To serve. They don't serve your gods. Revere, pay reverence, or to worship, to prostrate oneself. They are accusing them. They don't serve your gods. They don't pay reverence. They don't prostrate themselves. They're not humbling. They're not bowing down to the God, to this image that you have set up, O God. Let's look at two scriptures here. Luke if somebody can t- turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 13 through 15, and I'm going to go to Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. If they could, um, after I read Luke, if you could read Deuteronomy. But I'm going to go to Luke. Deuteronomy 6, what? Uh, 6, 13 through 15. And I'm going to read Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. Let's look at this real quick. It says, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So we see this is why these men are not bowing down to this image. And this is Jesus saying this, but let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 15. If you want to read that, Sister Karen? I have it. Okay. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and you shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. So it comes back like this. Yeah. And there it is. That's one of the laws. That's one of the commands. But he also says he's in your midst. The God who is in your midst. How many of us know that God is in our midst today? He lives in us. He dwells in us as Christians, as believers today. He is in our midst. So how much more shall we not be bowing down or serving other gods, but we got to make a decision? Pastor, doesn't it say not to swear in the Lord's name, though? Well, it's just making, uh, it's not really swearing on the Lord's name. It's just making that intimate relationship with him, that communion with him. Deuteronomy uh, 6, 6, 13 through 15. 13. Let's go to chapter 3, again, verse 13, as we prepare to close tonight. I want us to look at a couple of things here real quick as we close up. Verse 13 says, 
And I love a footnote I'm going to read on this after this. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar, so look, he's taking these morsels, these choice, dainty, delicious morsels, and this is his response to them. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Okay? I love this footnote. It says he didn't get his way. Ask yourself, why do I respond in this way sometimes? Have we ever, like as we talked about earlier, have we ever responded in such a way? We hear news, we get upset, we respond in anger or disgust or whatever it may be, but we respond angrily. So a question here is, is it the fact that your pride or desire for control may be fueling your outrage and really not the action of others? I'm going to read that again. Nebuchadnezzar is upset here. He is furious. But there's an issue with his pride. Because these men are not bowing down to what he decreed, and they're making him look bad. He's the king. Others can follow suit on this. That could lead to a rebellion. But how many times have we responded in such a way? And a footnote that it was written here says, your pride or desire for control may be fueling your outrage. How many times do we respond because we, we are outraged because we desire to be in control or because it's affecting our pride? We want to be in control. And it's not really the action of others. We're pointing to others. We're saying to others. We're accusing others. But it's not really them. It really has to do with our pride and our need to want to control the situation. To want things done the way we want it done. But see, what this king doesn't realize, there was an authority greater than him. And that is God's authority, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And what we must realize as Christians today, as believers, is that there is a greater authority than ours. And that's the hard part of letting go in our response is saying, Lord, you're in control. I don't have things under control. You do. I think I do, and I'm going to try to, but Lord, it's I got to let go of this pride. I got to let go of this place of control because this is what's fueling my outrage. This is what's fueling my response. This is what's fueling me to be able to take in these morsels and wanting to listen to these things because, again, it's feeding my pride. It's feeding what I want to hear. Because my desire is to be in control. That's one of the biggest battles as a Christian is the loss of control. But reality is we never really had control over our lives. We were bound by sin. We were enslaved to death. We were blind. We were deaf. We were mute. Just like the children of Israel. Oh, it was better in Egypt. But verse 14 and 15, as we close up here, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? giving them a choice. 
they could have easily said, well, we have no choice. Well, God, you know my heart. So I'm going to bow down to the image, but God, you know my heart. How many times have we heard that? God, you know my heart. Oh, well, God, you place us in Babylon, so you know I'm already here. You know that I'm going to have to bow down to these things. So, God, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do this because I know. That's what she was talking about, compromise. Compromise. And we could start to make so many. And how many times? We've all been in this place. Well, God, you've allowed me to be in this position. And I've, I've been, you know, we've all been here. And we will continue to have these, these times in our life. But see, thank God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were Proverbs children. <laughs> they knew, even though it didn't seem like they had a choice, there is always a choice. To serve their God. Because remember, they were in this land because of idolatry. And many times we have to remember, Lord, you delivered me. You took me from this place. This is why I'm in the position sometimes I'm in. Mentally, physically, whatever it may be. But if we allow the Lord to work in our hearts and reveal those things, then we can also allow him to heal us, to restore us, to strengthen us, to help us to grow and mature and to learn from it. It may take a lifetime. But that's okay. We got a lifetime because our life is in the, the Lord's hands. And they didn't go this route. See, they had a decision here literally to stand for God. We have a choice every day to stand for God and for what he says in the wisdom of God. But I thank God that he didn't call me and you to do it alone. You catch that? See, they were being challenged. You better bow down when that music goes. They had a choice to bow down or to stand. If they stood, it was going to cost them their life. We are challenged today to bow down to so many things. But we always have a choice as we look to the Proverbs to either stand or to bow down. But again, we don't do it alone. And let's close up with the scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. This will be our last scripture as we close up tonight. Amen. I thank God we don't have to do it alone. Because he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, 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 be strong in the Lord and the strength or the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we got to put on the armor of God if we're going to stand for God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Sound familiar like we just read? But now he's talking spiritually, the things that are behind, that are unseen. He goes on to say in verse 13 again, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. See, I've always jumped over. So remember, there's a period there. I've always said, stand, stand therefore. But there's a period here because he's closing it off as saying, you've done all you, when you've known that you've done all to stand firm. Stop. Take a break. 
He's reminding the believer and those that are reading this, remind yourself that all that you've done in my power, in my might, you've done all when you've done all to stand firm. He's saying, be reminded of all the times you've stood firm already because you're realizing this and you're recognizing this and you're acknowledging that there are other things going on. So again, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, all that I've instructed to stand firm. This is to give us that firmness to be able to stand firm. Then it goes on in verse 14 to say, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it as boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. This is the God that we serve. And this is the God that we know that we serve. And this is the God that we stand for, but we don't stand alone. It's a choice to be different. No matter the cost in this life, always remember that he paid it all. And in next week, we're going to see the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to see their verbal response, but we're also going to see the actions of their response. Amen? See, we can start to read that, be encouraged through it. Any thoughts, any comments before we close up today regarding what we just studied tonight? Anything else that came to mind you'd just like to put out there today? Um, yesterday, I started to see the awesome scripture. It's in Proverbs, and it was Proverbs 16, uh, 16.10, and it read, it read, it read, it read, it read. It read. I love this. A divine sentence is in the lips of a king. Because he judges fairly. Yes, he does. Yes, he he does. Says, his mouth transgresses not in judgment. So he doesn't falter. So his Amen. judgments are true. But he also has to stand by his word. So yes, even does. if we ask for favor in the wrong way, he can't do it. Because it's against what he says. Amen. Right? Yeah. Amen. 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 We all good, guys? <laughs> a little heavy? <laughs> a little close to home there? <laughs> a little close to home? You know, but thank God that it's in the righteousness of Christ. That just reminds me, Lord, it's not my goodness. It's not our righteousness. It's your righteousness. Thank God for your mercy. Thank God for your grace. Thank God for your patience. You know, thank God for taking that time to continually teach us. You know, it's just us continually to be teachable. That's what it really comes down to. You know, just like in anything in life, Always remain teachable in everything because we could always learn. And it's that learning, but through the learning for him, he's teaching us not just to learn it, but how to live it as well and helping us through that. But in that also teaches us how to see one another, how to see people around us, how to see our communities and how to pray for one another, you know, with the mercy of God, you know, realizing, you know what, just recognizing things for what they really are, you know, so you hear something, you receive something, you're not just taking it for what you see it for, 
but you're allowing the wisdom of God and seeking the Lord for his wisdom through that time. And his word says that he'll give us the words to respond in that moment. You know, so it's just keeping that trust in the Lord. Amen. But again, it's because we, we don't serve the gods of this land. We serve the one and only living God, Jesus Christ. Amen. The true living God today. And that's our, that's our lives. That's our response. It's in our life and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So praise God. Amen. Well, amen. <laughs> so thank you guys for, for sharing tonight and, and uh, you know, and being a part and, and uh, giving your thoughts and everything on it tonight. Amen. So any prayer requests as we close up tonight? Public schools. Is Cindy, are you in the public school system? Or, are you yeah. Uh, yeah. You are in it. So they said this week that they're starting... Um, it's going to be mandated for the kids to study Aztec gods and chant to, this is on the news, um, to uh, death gods. That's going to be part of the curriculum. That's not good. Yeah. That's taking yeah, I didn't heard about other that. gods. So okay. we need to pray about that. And my grandson's in the public school, so it, it affects us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we can, you know, this is where definitely the, you know, youth are challenged, you know, in schools and stuff like that to really know who their God is. And, uh, you know, definitely through that. So definitely we'll pray for that. We'll definitely pray with, with uh, all the kids in that. Uh, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, I haven't heard about that, but you know, we'll keep that in prayer. Amen. Anyone else? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Well, those joining us online as well, let's, let's pray. If you have any prayer requests, feel free to give them to the Lord as well. Amen. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before your throne this day, Father God. And we just thank you, Lord, that we're able to know you, Lord God, and most of all that you know us. And we thank you, Father God, for the honor and the privilege to be able to serve you, Lord God. Not just, Father God, in church, but my God, in our lives, Lord, through everything that we do, Lord, to be servants of God, to be your servants, Lord. Father God, because, Lord, you've done everything for us, Lord, and our lives belong to you. You are our Lord, our master. Lord, and we confess you as our Lord, my God, and Lord, help us to live accordingly as, Father God, you are our Lord, our master, and our king, Father God. Father, help us in our words, Lord God, to let our words be few, but Lord Jesus, when we speak, Father, to recognize, Lord, that you take, Father God, Lord, these vows, these commitments to you seriously, Father, and Lord, you hold us to them, Father God, but Lord, because through it, it's you teaching us, Father God, how to endure, how to persevere, how to be faithful, and how to be committed unto you through it all, Father God, because it's through that, Lord, that we truly see your glory. We see your goodness. We see your faithfulness, Lord. And Father, many times, Lord, it's through that, my God. Lord, we, we see a lot of ugliness within ourselves, Lord. We see a lot, Father God, that comes out of our heart. We see, Father God, many things come to the surface, Lord. But thank you for that, my God, because, Lord, it's in that we're able to acknowledge these things. And Lord, with that, we're able to repent. We're able to ask for forgiveness, but also we're, actually, we're able to ask you to help us through it, to teach us through it, to help us grow from it, Lord, and to overcome, Lord Jesus, and to recognize it and see it in others, Lord God. That, Father God, we are not moved, Father God, by emotion. We're not moved by prejudices, Father God. We're not moved by the anger or resentments, Father God, that we may have and are dealing with. But Lord Jesus, Father God, we're moved by your spirit. We're moved by your word, Lord God. And Father, it is you, Lord Jesus, Father God, that helps us to keep our words for you, Lord. 
And Father, to really think about our responses and to really think about, Father, what we're hearing and taking in, my God. Lord, as we're, Father, learning about to be discreet in what we see, we also need to be discreet and discerning of what we hear. And Father, with that, Lord, to be discreet and discerning of what we speak, Lord God. But Lord, we can't do this without you, Lord. We need you, Lord. So Father, tonight we ask you, Lord, as we learn this, Father God, as we see this example, Lord, in the Chaldeans and King Nebuchadnezzar, but also in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Father, we ask you to help us, Lord Jesus, in those areas of our life, Father God, that, Lord Jesus, we come into this place, Father, we fall into this place, we, we struggle in these areas, Lord, to help us, Father, to see these things, Lord, that you may help us through it, Lord. And Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, Many times we are challenged, my God, because, Lord, we don't serve the gods of this world. We don't bow down, Father God, to the images. We don't bow down to those things, Father, that, Father, want to cause us to compromise our relationship with you. And because of that, Father God, Lord Jesus, it will cost us relationships. It costs us, Father God, Lord Jesus, friendships. It costs us many things, Lord. But, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, Father, they're nothing compared to the cost, Lord Jesus, that... Father, Lord, if we were to choose otherwise, Lord, we were to compromise, Lord. And Father, God, if there's areas in our lives that we have compromised, Father, help us, Lord, to see those things, to recognize those things, to, Father, God, to acknowledge those idols in our hearts, my God. Father, that we may tear down those idols, Lord Jesus. Yes. And Father, God, Lord Jesus, serve you wholeheartedly, Father, such as pride, arrogance, Father, having to be right, wisdom, our own wisdom, our own understanding. Father, God, and many others, Lord Jesus, things that are, Father, Lord, things that we have, that have just been set up in our heart, Father, whether from birth or just upbringing or just, Father, things we have set up in our own, our own way. But we repent of those things tonight, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for revealing those things tonight, Father. But Lord, also, Father, reminding us, Lord Jesus, because, Lord, we don't serve those and we serve you, Lord. Father God, there will be things said. There will be accusations. There are things going on, but thank you, Lord, for reminding us to be strong in the power of your might. Lord, help us to take up your full armor of God daily, my God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to stand firm. Help us, Father God, Lord Jesus, to stand firm on your word, my God, and in doing so, to pray for one another, to help, Father, to intercede for one another, to encourage one another, Lord Jesus, and Father God, Lord Jesus, to seek your mercy, Father God, for our world today. Yes. That others may come to know you. That others' eyes may be open, Lord. Their ears may be open, Father God. Their hearts may be open, Lord, to you, Lord. That they may know you, Lord Jesus, as we know you, Father. Yes. So, Father, this day we thank you, Father. As, Lord Jesus, you are teaching us your wisdom. You're teaching us, Father, that there is always a choice. And Father God, Lord, we need you to help us, Lord, to make those right choices, my God, and to acknowledge those choices that are not always right, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you this night, Lord, as we humble ourselves under you, Lord. We submit ourselves to you, Lord, and we just thank you, Father God. Lord, through the testing, Father, Lord, my God, Lord, we can come to the fire untouched and unharmed, Lord God, and not even smelling like smoke. So, Lord Jesus, we just thank you this night, Father. We lift up the youth tonight, Father, yes, as many yes, are being yes. challenged, Father, in the schools. Yes. Father, colleges, Lord Jesus. Yes. Father, many different things, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, help, Father God, the youth of today, Lord, yes. to stand firm yes. in knowing who their God is. Yes. 
But Lord, this is why it's so important, Father God, that Lord, we don't teach our children religion or how to put up a front, but Lord God, how to be children of God, how to serve you, Lord, how to be faithful to you, Lord God, and how to be those that know who their God is so they can know who their God is, Lord. Being examples to our kids, to the youth, Father God. Being those today, Father God, Lord, that they can look to, Father Lord Jesus, how to learn to know their God. Because as many are challenged today, Father God, Lord Jesus, my God, Lord, it'll just be, it, those challenges will even come greater. We lift up the teachers that will be challenged to teach yes, such things, Father, that they would stand, Father God, for what is right and true. Yes. And Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we as your people would be those that stand for you, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father. And Lord, we just thank you for you do know our hearts, but our hearts are wicked continually, Father. But thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love. And thank you for the forgiveness that we have in you this day. We thank you this day, Father God. We lift up, Father, the petitions and supplications upon our hearts this yes. night, Father. You know all things, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you that you hear the prayers of our hearts this night. We love you. We praise you. We bless you this day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I read this since everybody's here? Yes. It says, California, two days ago. California proposes curriculum with chanting name of Aztec God who accepts human sacrifice. His name is Vlad de Monsea. And it says, the California Department of Education has proposed, proposed an ethnic studies model curriculum that includes, among other things, chanting in the names of Aztec gods in an attempt to build unity among school children. There it is again. But wow. the What's that? Uh -oh. That's what you've got to fight. It's the word proposed, it's, mean, it's not in action yet, but it is being proposed. Yeah. And they're constantly so the proposing parents things. are going to have to step up the stand. Yeah. You know. Yeah, come against. Yeah. Yeah. Make their voices heard. Exactly. And our and their kids, you know, our kids will have to just, you know, make the decision as well. You know, that's definitely a, a, a decision that they will have to make. You'll have to make grace, you know. But that's decisions. like, that's put a lipstick on a pig to build <laughs> unity among the school children. Well, no, they're pushing us as an inclusiveness, right? As a teacher, that's what they push me to include all of the children. So if Matthew wants to play with the mummy bricks, that's me. Samantha wants to play with, I have to let Matthew play with those bricks. And as a teacher, that's where it's really, really hard. And you do, you pray and you ask God. And, yeah, but the thing is, my principal, she's Christian, and so we can get away with some of the things that maybe. You know, she so already did you know that, about this thing? Not that specific one because I don't work for LAUSD. I work for Downey mm -hmm. USD. Okay. Um, but you do. You just kind of have to. Wow. God bless you guys. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Mm -hmm. Continue to stand for God. Amen. I'm gonna have this drink here today. But yes, definitely. But it's we, still. But parent, it really it goes back to the home. It right. Goes back home to the 